Welcome to the Wealthstream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello and welcome to The Wealth Stream with Tim Scannell from Hightower Great Lakes. Today, Tim has a special guest. Tim, good morning. How are you? I'm doing good, Eric. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. And in studio with you is John Wichter, if I'm not mistaken. John, how are you? Great, Eric. All right. I'm excited. Tim has brought you in to teach me a few things. Uh, I'm going to sit back and just listen. I'm going to be part of the audience. And I know that you guys are just going to absolutely bring a fantastic podcast today. Awesome. Thank you, Eric. You bet. You know, Eric, in the past, we've talked about our process for planning and we Mm -hmm. go over with clients, wealth preservation, wealth enhancement, you know, minimizing taxes, maximizing cash flow, asset protection, wealth transfer. Obviously, these are really complicated topics. I can't be the subject matter expert. I don't pretend to be for all of them. So what I try to focus on is connecting with, networking with, and collaborating with experts like John. You know, so I've done, uh, we have a number of mutual clients that we work on together where John and I are doing the the planning. John's doing a lot of the implementation. So I just thought it would be a great idea to have him here today just so I can talk to him or he can talk to the audience about some advanced planning topics, you know, what the landscape looks like without getting too complicated into it. But um, he's he's really a great, great knowledgeable person. So how you doing, John? Good, Tim. Thanks for having me. Uh, you a little nervous today? They're your first podcast? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I see a little sweat bead on his forehead. So, um, so anyway, what I thought I'd do first, John, is just ask, you know, the who you are. I mean, how, so how long have you been in practice? What's your focus and things like that? Sure. So I am a, a native Michigander, grew up in the state of Michigan, went to undergrad at the University of Michigan and then came out to Chicago, went to law school at Loyola Chicago. And then for the past 20 years, I've been practicing simply in the estate tax and charitable planning field. So right now I am the uh, group head for the Trust and Estates private client group at HMB Legal Counsel in Chicago and uh, work with a number of business owners, high net worth clients, individuals uh, doing tax and estate planning. Okay. And uh, when you're not doing all those exciting, fun things like tax planning and estate planning, (laughs) um, what do you do for fun? Uh, Well, I have four kids. So that takes up the majority of my time and they are a ton of fun. So they range from the ages of 14 down to five. So I spend a lot of time with them. I'm coaching 10-year-old basketball right now. Oh, man. So that, that's a great time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Spending time with my wife and my family is uh, is the majority of my time right now, and it's super fun. Excellent. And I know from talking to you uh, recently that you went out to Disney World. Maybe we could do a separate podcast on your expertise of mastering the Disney World land. We could absolutely do that. We are a big Disney family, except we may need to bring my wife in for that one as well. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so I thought we'd start just by – Maybe if you could give us a feel for, you know, the current estate planning landscape out there. I, I know the laws periodically change. We have new tax laws that we're working with this year. So just talk a little bit about the landscape and the things you're seeing out there. Yeah, so the landscape's changed a lot, especially over the past year with the new tax uh, code that came into place. Uh, basically, the new estate tax exemption law that was passed under under Trump uh, raised the estate tax exemption for individuals up to $11.4 million. So it used to be all about estate tax planning and how do you plan for estate taxes. And for some individuals, it still is, but it's moved. 
uh, we are now doing a lot of planning related to income tax planning, asset protection planning. So client, some clients, while they're still focused on the estate tax, now have other issues and more important issues that they're focused on. And we're doing a lot of planning around that now. So when you meet with your clients or someone's introduced to you, do they generally have a feel in advance that the landscape has changed or is, is part of your, pro your, your process to maybe educate them or you know, be a thought leader for them? We educate them, but they have an idea. So you hear, I mean, when the politicians go out, especially during election year, you hear a lot about the death tax and the death tax scares everybody. You know, what's this tax that's gonna happen upon death? So clients come to us and they know that the tax is out there, but a lot of them don't have the idea of what the numbers are. So we have clients that'll come to us and say, hey, I really need, I don't wanna pay any taxes at death. And when we tell them right now, you can pass over $22 million without any tax at death. They say, okay, well, that's great, I don't need that. Um, some on the other hand do. So while some have an idea, they may not know the specifics as, as how it's related. And the other thing too is we're really focused on not as, we wanna help save taxes, but we also wanna help those assets transfer in a meaningful way so that the kids, so the kids or the family members can really use them in a meaningful way. So saving taxes is one thing, but it's the additional planning. How do we protect from creditors? How do we plan for future generations? How do we involve charity? That's super important, and sometimes clients aren't thinking about that. They're so focused on taxes, and those issues are sometimes more important. Okay, yeah, and I, I know I read somewhere recently that uh, there was an advisor saying, you know, that he offers the medicine to solve a problem, but oftentimes he has to really um, make sure the client knows what the problem they're facing. So when you say income taxes now versus estate taxes, can you give me an example of, of what you mean um, like how, how would you go about saving income versus estate tax for a particular client? Yeah, it's, so it's really looking at the whole landscape of the client's situation too. Um, right now, so let's, let's take for example, you have a client who has owned some sort of stock. We have this all the time. The generational stock that's been passed on from generation to generation or they've owned it for a number of years and their basis in that, in that stock is very low, okay? So if they sell it right now, they would create a large capital gain. Now, holding that stock till death would allow that basis to step up to fair market value, meaning you could sell that stock the next day and there'd be no tax at all. But if I give that stock away, if I use it for tax planning, I would lose that basis step up. I would lose the income tax planning. So there really is that dichotomy versus, do I look at more income tax planning now? Am I focused on what I'm doing to maybe hold assets so I can sell things after death or get that step up in basis? versus the estate tax planning. Because again, if you're not at the $22 million if you're a husband and wife or an $11 million as an individual, you don't need the estate tax planning right, right now. Now it's gonna change. It's gonna change come 2026 if the law doesn't change. And a lot of clients are saying, well, it's gonna change next year when the new uh, tax, or when the new presidential election occurs. But for right now, there is a lot of focus on, should I be doing more income tax planning than estate tax planning? Okay, that makes sense. So when you're meeting with a client or someone you're introduced to, is the data gathering process changed for you then? I mean, where you're looking more at tax returns, income tax returns, or when you're gathering the balance sheet, you're looking at different things, or is it you've always looked at everything comprehensively? You always look at them, but it's, it's a holistic approach. And what you really wanna do is have a good team around the client. So you wanna talk with the accountant, you wanna talk with their investment advisor. If they have an insurance person in place, you wanna talk with them, because they have information that I don't have. Right. So the client, generally speaking, is not going to come in and know their basis in every asset. They're not going to know what they paid for every asset. Some may. It's amazing some may. It's crazy that some may. But um, not everybody does. But their accountant does. 
their investment advisor generally has that in their list. So the planning becomes very holistic. You want to make sure that you work as a team. I am not an individual who says, I'm worried about bringing somebody else in. The best advice you give or the best planning you get is when the whole team works together. Okay, and then with the focus on income taxes, uh, are you now focusing more or maybe the same amount, but just pointing it out residency, like what states they live in? I mean, does it matter if you're in Florida, Indiana, Illinois, California? Absolutely, because let me give you an example of, let's take the state of Illinois, for example. I, I've, I've said the estate tax exemption is approximately 11 $11 million, so around 11.4. Uh, in Illinois, though, the estate tax exemption is only $4 million. So you live in Illinois, you may get hit with an estate tax over $4 million, even though you may not have a federal estate tax. So moving to a state like Florida, where there is no estate tax, can avoid both the federal estate tax, if you're under $11 million, and avoid the state estate tax. So that's one thing for residency. The other issue is from income taxes, certainly. Certain states, Florida, for example, doesn't even have an income tax. So a lot of my clients will domicile down in Florida and avoid income taxes. And it's really interesting because clients come to you and say, well, how do I do it? I got to get out of here for a certain amount of days or I got to live there for a certain amount of days. Be aware, it's not that. Every state has different laws about how you become a resident in that state. Florida is not a day state. It's sort of what we call a facts and circumstances state. It's do the facts and circumstances. Do you do you own a car there? Do you register to vote there? You know, it's not a day of counting. But for example, Illinois is. So to get out of Illinois, you may have to count days. But for Florida, it's more facts and circumstances. But it's really important to look at what state you're going to and how you get the residency there. Yeah, and I imagine, I mean, I've read a lot about New York, Illinois, other states really going after uh, people trying to leave, <laughs> you know, because they're trying to capture that revenue. California, going, a lot of people flowing from California to Texas. So I imagine you really need to focus on the details when you do that. We get a lot of audits in the first year that, that, that clients move. So we always tell them, keep a calendar, you know, especially if you're trying to get out of a day state, mm-hmm. a state that counts days. Keep that calendar the first year because the, the state will come after you that first year, that year that you file your last tax return. They want to know that you've actually gotten out of there. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a really, as I said, it's a hot topic for planners. It's a hot topic for, for the estates. Everybody wants to, you know, keep their residence here. And it's the same way upon death. I mean, Illinois wants to capture the estate taxes here. Um, likewise, if you move, you got to be careful. There, there's traps all over the place. We had a client that moved to Florida, um, domiciled in Florida. But if they leave a little bit of property here in Illinois, they could get hit with an estate tax just because they left a little bit of property here. Sure. Got to be careful about what you're doing when you do it. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. And and you know, in all the the other podcasts we've done, Eric and attest, we we talk about the holistic view and you know the comprehensive plan and the working with all the advisors and collaborating. So um, that's very consistent. And I know we've got some mutual clients where we've done things like that. Um, any other topics on just the general landscape that you wanted to cover before we talk about more specific advanced planning topics? I would definitely, we may be getting to this, but I would talk about the creditor protection issues now too. Okay. Um, I mean, creditor protection is is really a big topic for a lot of clients too. And it's not just for them, but it's for their future families, future family members or premarital planning, whatever it is. But with if the taxes aren't on the top of somebody's mind, planning for creditors usually are. So that's another big topic right now. Okay, so let, let's get into that. Um, so just what is creditor protection? you know, as you define it or as you think about it? Sure. Are your assets titled or structured in a way that a creditor, and it could be you get in a car accident or 
your spouse. I mean, we joke, but some, a lot of times your spouse is your biggest creditor. Are they protected in a way that that creditor can't get at those assets if something bad were to happen? So if there were a divorce or if there were that car accident or something along that lines, are they protected in a way? Likewise, are you giving, are you giving your estate or your assets when you give them to your kids? Are you giving them in a way that your kids can be protected from their creditors? Because there's definitely a difference there. So, so maybe just give us an example of maybe an instance where uh, maybe you worked with a client or you've read a case study where you've got a somebody who's not protected. Maybe it's the family itself. Maybe it's their kids or grandkids. So maybe just give us an example of the problem you're looking to address. Sure. So I, I represent a number of doctors. Okay, and doctors are are great in what they do. Um, but a lot of times they come to you for planning purposes when it's too late. So I have one doctor who came to me and he and he was in a malpractice lawsuit, okay? Um, and said, how do I protect my assets at that point? Well, at that point it's too late because anything we do at that point becomes what's called a fraudulent conveyance and it's too hard to do the planning. Now, it's great, the, uh, the lawsuit went fine, everything worked out, but we did planning afterwards. And right now for that client, there's, for example, a lot of states have asset protection trust statutes. And what that is, is it used to be that you couldn't create a trust and still be a beneficiary of that trust and get creditor protection. They were called self-settled trusts. Now a number of states, including Indiana, just this past, just a few months ago has passed a statute where you can create basically self-settled trust. You can create a trust, still be a beneficiary of that trust, but get full creditor protection as long as you meet the requirements of the statute. So for that doctor, we created an, an Indiana Asset Protection Trust already. We've put assets, funded assets in there. The client is the grantor, can be a co-trustee and a beneficiary, but under the statute, all those assets will be protected from creditors. So John, you know, I'm not an attorney, I don't practice law, and you're obviously the subject matter expert here. So in that example of the physician, uh, talk a little bit about, you know, compare and contrast, how vulnerable was he prior to the work you did, how protected was he afterwards? How about his kids, his grandkids? And maybe mention like a, not his specific assets, but what did you protect? Okay, so prior to doing the planning, probably 100% vulnerable. I mean, the, they have insurance, so the insurance would cover what they could, but no assets protected. At that point, he had a revocable trust, and a revocable trust does no creditor protection whatsoever. It's basically your tool to pass assets uh, upon death, but no creditor protection. Afterwards, whatever assets we funded into that trust, fully protected. So it's a huge win for him because by simply creating that trust under the statute, and again, can still be the beneficiary from the trust, can still take assets out of the trust, can still invest the assets how he wants or use them within the trust. But those assets, as long as they remain in the trust, were now creditor protected should something bad happen in the future versus prior to that, they had no creditor protection whatsoever. And then the kids, does that protection flow down to them too? Yeah, or? so the same client, what it really thought about too is how do I plan for the future? How do I plan now when I'm passing my assets to my kids, how do I get credit protection from there? And that's a really hot hot topic when you're talking with clients and it's, it's outside of, it's not the, you know, how do you plan for taxes or how do you save it? It's more of what do you wanna do for your kids? And there's a big difference. We have a number of clients or a number of people that come to us and say, hey, my mom left me this or I got this from my estate. There's a big difference between giving somebody assets outright versus assets in trust. So take, for example, Tim, your, your parents leave you a million bucks upon their death. And they say, here, Tim, 
you were great, wonderful child. Here's a million bucks that we got, you know, pond up. Here I can't it is. wait. <laughs> there it is. Yep. It's outright. It's to you. Okay. And you get that. And, and the next day, unfortunately, you file. There's a divorce that's filed. Okay. You're, that million bucks, million bucks can all be subject to that divorce proceeding. Now, again, there's something to be said about money that came from inheritance or whatever, but it's outright. It's in your, in your personal hands. And a good lawyer knows that there's ways we can get at that. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if your parents had said, here, Tim, we're going to give you this money. We're going to put it in trust for you. And we're going to name you the trustee. We're going to name you the beneficiary. But we're going to put a trust wrapper over it. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a whole layer of credit protection that you didn't have from that outright gift. So when planning for kids or for future generations, big difference between giving money to kids outright or future family members outright versus giving it to them in trust. And with, the, and with that trust, you can do a bunch of planning with it. You can plan at what ages the children get the money, what ages they get access to it. Uh, we do a lot of planning, especially when we have families come in and there's younger kids. How do you plan for the future? How do you plan around if maybe they have an alcohol dependency or mm-hmm. there's some drug issues or whatever? You can put all that plan in the trust versus you can't do that with an outright gift. Yeah, so it sounds like the big takeaway so far is uh, holistic planning, but also family planning. You know, look generationally to determine how the things you're doing today is maybe your, the parents will affect the next generation down the road. Absolutely, and it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. Plan for the taxes. Nobody wants to pay the government. Save the taxes the way you can, but don't forget about how you're actually doing your planning. It means of how are you giving the money to the future generations or whoever you're giving it to, or how are you giving it to charity? Think about the concepts, not just thinking about saving taxes, but how am I helping my future family members, charity, whatever it might be. Okay, and let me, because you mentioned charity, and we've talked about income taxes as, you know, a priority versus estate taxes right now. So let me pivot to what I know is a, is a very uh, important topic to you, because I know you focus a lot on this, and that's charitable planning. You know, the use, the use of charitable planning you mentioned earlier to not just uh, defer or reduce or avoid income taxes, but also to use as a tool to prepare the next generation, you know, for how to inherit money. Um, so talk a little bit about the landscape on charitable planning and maybe some of the advanced techniques that you use. Yeah, so it, it, when the new tax law came out, um, and even a little bit prior to that, there was a big concern because there was sort of a limitation now on charitable deductions, okay? There was, the, the landscape changed down a little bit. And there was a big worry that charitable planning or charitable giving would go down because people weren't getting as much of a tax benefit. I would tell you some people plan charity in their estate for tax purposes. And that's why they do it. That's a primary motivating factor. But there's a lot that don't. So just because the tax law changed and the charitable deduction planning may change a little bit, people are still planning for charity for a number of different ways. I see more and more clients nowadays who say, my kids have enough, or I, I have a, I've done very well, I have a very large estate. This is enough to pass on to them, but I really want to benefit my favorite charity. And there's a number of different ways to do it. And that and that's really important planning right now. So in terms of uh, when you're talking to a client about charitable planning, uh, t- talk a little, give an example maybe of what variables, uh, maybe something, a case you've worked on where, you know, when do you want to give it or how do you want to provide the money or when does it charity, when do my kids get this or that? So maybe give an example of how you would walk through with a client uh, to determine the best course of action. Okay, so let me give you an example. So I represent a lot of uh, business owners small middle market business owners, uh, privately held companies. And when they're going through the process of trying to determine when they're, whether they're gonna sell their business, um, 
we want to talk to them, you know, six, nine months ahead of time. Okay. You don't want to talk, you don't want to get talk to the business owner about planning when they have a uh, contract already in place or whatever it is, because at that point it might be too late to do some of the better planning. But if you're talking to them six, nine months ahead of time and they're charity, charitably inclined by maybe transferring a portion of that business to a private foundation or some sort of charity, they have, they can accomplish a few goals. One, they can benefit charity. They can use that money to advance their charitable goals. Two, they can save on income taxes because when the company actually sells, if it's done correctly, there may be ways that they pay less capital gain on the sale than had they done otherwise. And that's huge for the business owner. And three, I have a lot of clients that all of a sudden when they sell their businesses, they say, what am I gonna do now? You know, what, what, what's, that was my life. That was who I was, it was the business. And they reinvent themselves with the charity. So by putting some money into a foundation prior to selling, saving some income taxes and having this chunk of money there in this foundation afterwards, they now reinvent themselves as philanthropists. It's wonderful. I've seen wonderful things with that. And have you seen them get their family involved, their kids or next generation involved in those foundations or charities? Absolutely. So one thing that we suggest a lot is if, if the kids are of age, uh, maybe you put them on the board or maybe so let's for a private foundation, for example. A private foundation is required to distribute 5% of their assets every year. Okay, there's a number of calculations that go into that, but let's just do the 5% for now. I've seen a number of clients and we've suggested this. Why don't you tell your kids, hey, next year, go research, so research charities for the next year. And a year from now, come back and present to the board who you wanna give money to. And the board will then consider it. And as part of their 5%, they make that distribution to the charity that the, the child has uh, went and researched. It's great. It gets the child involved in the in the in philanthropy at a younger age, allows them to go and find causes that they like or want to support. And it's amazing. I've seen it. I've, I've seen kids come back with small charities that you wouldn't even know what they are, sure. but they have went out, they found something, they've researched it, they become involved. And then I've seen it kind of grow from there where the kid is involved with that charity and kind of goes further with it. It's wonderful. And it's a great way to get the kids involved and started on philanthropy at, a, at whatever age they are. Yeah. And I've seen it also where the, the child gets involved and they, they don't get a, a thank you note or anything. And the, the next year they're like, I'm not sending money to that charity. So I think it's a great learning process for the kids. I really love, I love charitable uh, work as a way to also educate the next generation. Yeah. It's a great learning process for the charity too. Send the thank you note. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So, John, today we've really just covered, not even scratched the surface, we just covered generally some of the planning techniques. I, I know from working with you and reading some of your, your materials that you've published, you're, you're great in charitable planning uh, to you know, minimize taxes, but also just to you know, work with clients to make sure that all the gifts they're trying to make are more impactful. So would you be willing maybe to come back for a second podcast at some point just to talk about some real specific techniques in charitable planning? Sure, I'd be happy to. I'd love that. Okay. And then in the meantime, um, tell me or tell the audience how they can get a hold of you if they would like more information or to talk to you about some of these topics you've, you've mentioned. Sure. Uh, my website is www.hmblaw.com. Uh, my phone number is 312 242 3305 and my email address which is on the website but is j w i k t o r at h m b l a w dot com okay and if they have any questions about disney world you give them that too yeah, absolutely i'm really good at that too okay great <laughs> and again you, we'll try and post some of these this information on the 
um, the podcast itself. And if you are looking for more information from us, from me, you could always reach me at tscannell at hightoweradvisors.com, phone number 219-246-5370. All right, guys, this was a fantastic podcast. John, I didn't know that you're an expert in Disney World as well. I mean, that's... uh. You wear oh many yeah, hats. we are we are we are a Disney family. We go three <laughs> times a year. Holy oh, cow. nice, yeah. nice. Uh, I'm almost ashamed to say it. I've I've never been to a Disney park in my life. Oh, you'll have to go, and then you call me ahead of time. I'll tell you where <laughs> what to do. What yeah, what, what to do and what to avoid. I appreciate that <laughs> very right. much. That, that too, you're right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Tim, thank you so much for bringing John on. This is a great podcast. I really do look forward to the next one. You and I have talked about charitable planning a lot. Um, we've talked about donor advice funds, trusts. I love, I get all geeked out with that kind of stuff. So I'm looking forward to the next one. Uh, thank you so much for bringing them on today. Oh, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Hey, you bet. And thank you all for listening to the Wealth Stream podcast with Tim Scannell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Hightower Great Lakes, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the WealthStream podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC.